Okay, let's talk about candles for a minute. Do you know that almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? It's insane. That's why I think it's really cool that Notes candles exist. They're working to eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option. Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel over and over again. It is super easy. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, so all you do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar and fill it up with the wax beads and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. The Santal and Atlas Cedar scent is like this woodsy calming smell. It's so nice. And they have oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, pistachio and rose water, and a total of 13 really great options to choose from. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Right now, notes is giving our friends 15% off and free shipping when you buy a notes starter kit using the code that sounds fun. Just use that code that sounds fun when you're placing your order. That's that sounds fun at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so happy to be here with you today on a Friday. Y'all know we love a bonus Friday episode around here. Today on the show, I get to talk with my friend, Micah E. Davis. Okay, Micah is a pastor in Indy, and he is the author of Trailblazers, A Journey to Discover God's Purpose for Your Life. And it comes out on Tuesday. Y'all, I knew Micah when he was a teenager here in Nashville. So to have him here talking about church planning and writing his book, it just blows my mind, but it also gives me so much excitement and assurance that the future of the church is in good hands, y'all. We've had a lot of Gen Zers on the podcast this fall and on purpose, and Micah is one of them as well. It just gives us so many reasons to celebrate the bold faith of the next generation. They're just not afraid to talk about Jesus, and I'm so thankful for their obedience and the things God's calling them to, like planting churches and writing books like Trailblazers. So here is my conversation with my friend. Micah E. Davis. Micah Davis, welcome to That Sounds Fun. Thank you. What a treat. Oh, it's such a gift. It feels like such an honor. Yes. I mean, for everyone listening, I've known you since 2010, probably. That's I started at Crosspoint in 2010. Yep. I was, and were y'all were here by then? Yeah, I was 14. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Precisely. So, I mean, that is such a cool part of this story is that I've been friends with your parents and known all the boys I mean, from 14 years old to now. Mm-hmm. What are you, 27? Yeah. Yep. I mean, that is half years. your life, dude. I know. We've been friends crazy. half your life. Oh, I love that. And now you've written a book <laughs> and planted a church. And everybody heard me say this when Noah Heron was on the show, but I told you I had to repent because I didn't realize how many church planters of the next generation exist. Do y'all have like a cohort? Are y'all all bros? You know, what's so funny is Noah and I met out in Portland last year at a conference and just struck up a conversation, ended up becoming really good friends yeah. by the end of the weekend. And we've stayed in touch throughout our entire planting journey. I think they're wow. planting a week before we do. Yeah. And so we've just gotten to walk through the whole pre-plant process, which is a whole process in and of itself. Right. So, I mean, I need you to know that dude. His church launched the Sunday before his book launched on Tuesday. Yeah. I was like, that's 
dumb emotionally. Right. It makes a ton of sense, and it's what God had him do. But I was like, bro, take a nap after that. That well, feels so that was hard. the thing. Is like, I my book releases I think three weeks after we launched the yeah. church, and here Dude. I am th- feeling like, ah, uh, you know, I don't know if anyone else is doing that. And I was like, I'm doing it two days after, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, I digress. <laughs> No, I respect both of y'all for being such hustlers in like an obedient way. You could say, because the Lord lines that up. Oh, 100%. And you could go like, hey, I can't do both of these. So one of them has to move. And both of you went like, all right, Lord, if you say we can do this, we can do this. Yeah, the book came, I mean, a year before the sanctuary was ever even like a thought. Yeah. You know? So it's just wild how, how, but God knew what he was doing. Yeah. Will you talk about your church plant, what y'all are doing, where it is, and why? Why not? step in and might not step on a church staff and work your way into being the next leader. Why plant? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, really the genesis of it, it was May of 2022 and I live in a neighborhood in the inside the loop of Indianapolis. And um, there's a one mile loop in our neighborhood that I prayer walk almost every single day. Yeah, And I was just on a routine prayer walk and I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me that day in May saying, pastor your neighborhood. And I was like, I don't really know what that means. Um, So I kind of sat with it and wrestled with it for a few weeks. And that thought just kept coming back to top of mind, pastor your neighborhood, pastor your neighborhood. And so a few weeks later, I sat down with a local pastor in my neighborhood and I said, hey, if we were by chance to plant a church, would you be up for us using your building? And he was like, I don't see why not. And I was like, Okay, that's strike one. Yeah, and so then, that's strike one of having to do this thing. Right. Yeah. So then I, I take <laughs> Riley, my wife, on a prayer walk with me. And at that point, we had been married almost five years, and she had been vehemently against planting a church. That uh, was like completely off our radar. And I just casually brought it up to her. I said, hey, I feel like God may be stirring something. What would you think about us planting a church here in Indianapolis? And she was like, I don't see why not. And I was like, okay, strike two. <laughs> And so we spent, um, yeah, the summer of 2022 just kind of praying and discerning what it looked like to pastor our neighborhood. And actually that summer, I received an invitation from a pastor up in Grand Rapids, Michigan to come up and plant a church there. Yeah. And long story short, Riley is from Grand Rapids. Yeah, you write about this in the book. That's right. Figuring she, out where, yeah. Yeah, and they offered us an invitation to plant a church literally a football's throw away from my in-law's house where she's lived for the wow. last 27 years of her wow. life. So we thought, okay, God, that's it. We're going to go pastor our neighborhood up there. But um, we spent some time in discernment, and it was actually Riley who came to me first, and she said, I just feel like we're called to the city of Indianapolis. And so we live in this little hub on the north side called Broad Ripple. It's this beautiful collection of people with culture and food and art and we're planting in the Indianapolis Art Center which yeah. is like right downtown Broad Ripple it's just kind of the cultural epicenter Broad of the Ripple, north what side. a great name I oh love yeah it. it's beautiful I mean it's got like you know it's not Broadway but it does have the Broad Ripple strip yeah. and it's just the best eats in Indianapolis and just beautiful people of all kinds and yeah. so we just feel like it's such a gift God has placed us uniquely there for a reason I want to tell you something that Noah said and I want you to respond and how you feel about this when I asked him why Nashville he said I feel like when God invites us to plant a church, it was go to the city you love the most and plant a church. And that way, when it gets hard, you won't want to leave the city. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that a little bit about Broad Ripple of like, I love this place. So when this gets hard, I still want to be here. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've got a, a mentor who who wrote a book. Um, maybe you've heard of it, The Power of Place. No. Daniel Grothy. No. Oh, my goodness. Is it so good? Phenomenal okay, book. Okay, I'm writing yeah. it down right yeah. now, The Power of Place. Power of Place, Daniel Grothy, uh, pastor at New Life Church out in Colorado. He was with Glenn Packiam and Andrew Arndt, those gosh, guys. Gosh, great for, is Glenn Packiam? Oh, my gosh, right. incredible. Yeah. So Daniel wrote this book called The Power of Place, and it's all about St. Francis's vow of stability and just taking a vow of trying to die somewhere. And it was a revolutionary read for wow. me. And I thought, okay, if there was a place that I was going to try to die, where would it be? And it would be Indianapolis. And so I, wow. I dream about, you know, if you look through the scriptures, there's Jesus of Nazareth. And you look at the great saints, there's Francis of Assisi, yeah. right? You can go on down the line. I just dream about what it would look like to be Micah of Indianapolis yeah. one day, right? And so wow. that's, yeah, that was Indianapolis. It broke our hearts and we wanted to be there. Yeah. You know, I'm going to New York. When people are hearing this, I'm in New York. I'm going to New York for a couple of months and people said, are you going to stay there? And as far as I can see today, the thing I think about is, no, I want to be known for being in Nashville and for helping Nashville flourish. Like, yeah. I mean, scripture says when the city you live in flourishes, you flourish. That's right. I mean, scripture is very clear. It's one of the reasons you want. I don't love all the cranes, but if my city's flourishing, I will too. <laughs> and so I feel the same way of like, no, I, I want one of my legacies. If I mean, preach the gospel, die and be forgotten is the truest thing. But also if there, I'm going to have a legacy, I want to be part of Nashville flourishing. Yeah. And so I, I feel that too. Annie of Nashville feels... Who I want to be. That's right. It's an embodied presence, right? Yeah. There's a locality to it. I mean, that's why Jesus, they say, well, he didn't leave more than 100 miles from where he was born. Like, I yeah. think there's something to that of just being hyper-local, yes. you know? And, and I think that's what the beauty of the local church is. It is a place rooted in a place, Yes, right? so. yes. Let's talk about Steve Carter, speaking of mentors. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. When, <laughs> when you note him, when you said, my mentor says the thing beneath the thing, and I was like, back of the book, Steve Carter, I knew it. How did you find these men to invest in your life and to really say, I can call him my mentor, he's who disciples me or whatever. Like, how do you get them to do that? How was that relationship started with both these guys? Oh my gosh. I wish I could take credit for that, but really it was just, and I'm not trying to be cliche. It was just Jesus. Yeah. Really. I mean, I, I was on a interview. This was February of 2019. I was a 21 year old college student yeah. and I had been invited to apply for high school pastor position at a mega church in the suburbs of Indianapolis. And so Riley and I go to this interview and I'm standing in a prayer circle before the service and this guy takes my hand to the right of me and he says, hey, I'm Steve. And I look up and it's Steve Carter. Yeah. And what Steve didn't know, but I told him later on was uh, my parents are church planters and pastors and we grew up going to Willow Creek's Christmas services because oh, wow. my parents were church planters. They had their own Christmas Eve service. Well, you know, Willow back in the day had like a bajillion Christmas yeah, Eve services. Yeah, yeah. So we would go to Christmas Eve in Chicago on the 21st and watch, you know, Steve teach or whatever. And I was just in awe. Like, I yes. could not believe the way that that dude could communicate the Gospels. He is one of the best. Oh, he's literally. a wizard. Yeah. yeah. He, just, that's it. He is a wizard at the Gospel, if we're allowed to say that about somebody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's theologically sound. Theologically, that's terrible. But he is. Yes. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And so we are standing in this you know, prayer circle and he introduces himself to me and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe uh -huh. I'm talking to one of my heroes. And yeah. so for whatever reason, he ends up just taking an interest in me. And yeah. for the next year, he started doing some guest teaching at our church and I was service hosting most weekends that he was there teaching. And I have no idea why it aligned that way, yeah. but every week that he would come in, I would be service hosting. And 
it started out as just kind of this cordial relationship. And then I remember one day vividly, I was doing a rehearsal before our 9 a.m. service and he stopped the rehearsal while I'm on stage hosting. And he completely throws me off oh, because wow. he knows that I am... I had memorized a script. Yeah, 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 you were scripted. And yeah. he wanted to see what I would do on the fly. And wow. I didn't know what he was doing at the time, but he told me later, he was like, I just wanted to test you. I just wanted yeah. to, you know, see what, see what you had. And yeah. that was kind of the genesis of just this coaching relationship that yeah. started to develop more and more. And over the last couple of years, he's been such a gift. He's actually coming to Indianapolis the day after the book releases to do a book launch event with oh, me. Oh, I'm so glad. Um, okay, so for any of our indie friends, they're hearing this on Friday. Yeah. Wednesday is October the book 18th. launch event. Yep. Yeah, 7 p.m. At the Indianapolis Arts Center. Oh, my gosh. And uh, say in, it again. In Broad Ripple. Broad Ripple. That's right. Broad Ripple. Okay. So any of our indie friends, I mean, is it like open? Anybody yeah, can come? There's a there's a link. We can link to it in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, we'll link um, it in the show notes. But there's uh, just free tickets that you can reserve, and it's, a, it's a reserved event. But um, yeah, we're going to have a conversation oh, about that the That sounds fun. And... Friends are about to show up, <laughs> our indie girls. And guys, I'll tell you, Steve taught at Crosspoint recently. That's right. I went to the 9 a.m. to be a part of my church and I went and heard him again to watch him teach <laughs> like it was it's, he's a master class yeah and you just go like how you wove that in and how you found that story and how you and so he's a master class I mean it is he's unbelievably gifted yeah and sharing the gospels I just hate that he cheers for Michigan it's just <laughs> tough it's tough for me it's tough for me you write about it in the book but are you okay if we talk about your parents for a minute Absolutely. and the story with them they've written about it in their book too right. but you know, what's interesting is a lot of our friends listening are your age and my age. Mm -hmm. And so they're friends my age who also experience their parents going through affairs. But there are also a lot of our friends listening who have been a part of affairs and they're wondering if their kids are going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Whether they were the person who had the affair or the person who did not have the affair. That is your parent's story. And you write really honestly, Micah, in the book about your experience as the elementary age kid, the mm -hmm. preteen mm -hmm. whose dad had an affair with his mom's best friend and left. Why are you still into Jesus after that? When he was a pastor, when church was the center of your lives, why didn't you walk away? Yeah. I've been asked that question so many times. I mean, I've had the privilege, um, spoiler alert for anyone listening who doesn't know my parents' story. They ended up miraculously reconciling and God used their story for good in so many beautiful ways. And yeah. I mean, literally thousands upon thousands of marriages have been yes. healed over the last 17 years um, that they've been able to share their story and travel and speak. And for years growing up, I was the merch kid. You know, I would go around yeah. with them to their events and sell merch. And that would be the thing. People would walk out of those events and say, how are you here? What, yeah. you know, what does that look like? And what most people don't realize is that event happened when I was 10. And then uh, another tragic event like that happened was a family that I was close to when I was 18. And right. it was just two figures in my lives who were literally father figures to me. I mean, one yes. was my dad, one was my godfather. And it was, it was just this realization of, I have to choose who the savior of my life is. Because wow, up to that God. point, I had been putting these men on a pedestal, believing that they were the savior, right? That they were perfect. And the reality is none of us are perfect. And so I think what shifted for me was I made the conscious decision that I could point the finger. I could blame cast. I could decide that these 
people were evil or they weren't who they said they were, or the church is hypocritical or pastors are hypocritical, like whatever we want to say, X, Y, Z. And that's not to demean anyone who has truly been hurt by the church because I have, you probably have, we all have in some way, shape or form. But I had to decide, am I going to look at the speck in other people's eyes or am I going to look at the log in my own eye? And I had to realize I can see myself in those men if I'm being truly honest. Mm -hmm. Like there is a part of me that could, could be and become that person. And so really over the last 15 years, it's been a journey of not only forgiving them, but learning to pay attention to just the pitfalls and the the trials and the struggles of what it looks like to follow Jesus in a really contested fallen world. Yeah, but you're like a teenager, Micah. Like, did you come to that yourself? Because I'm thinking about my friends mm-hmm. whose husband had an affair yeah. and now they have a 10-year-old. What is she doing to help her son wrestle these conversations versus just hating their dad? Sure. Well, I think it's important to note, and I say this in the book, I did hate my dad. You did hate your dad. And I, and I said you it. You said it to his face. I said it to his yeah. face. And that was a cathartic piece of healing for me. Yeah. I had to be able to name how I was feeling in that moment. And I give my dad a lot of credit. I mean, he could have defended himself. He could have, you know, done whatever he wanted to to a 10-year-old in that moment. I mean, he had all of the authority and power in that relationship at that time, but he just took it mm-hmm. and he received it and mm-hmm. he didn't try to combat it. He just let me lay into him. And it wasn't like our relationship was, you know, all fine and dandy after that. It took years and years of work and healing, but I had to go through a process of, of grief and mm-hmm. trying to relearn my new reality. And that took time, you know? And I mean, uh, there are so many, I wish we had the time to go through it, but I mean, years upon years of conversations, counseling that we had to do both individually and together as a family Mm -hmm. that allowed that healing to take place. And it was a slow process. And I think for anyone listening, it's a scar that stays with you for the rest of your life. You know, the church that my parents planted where the affair took place just celebrated 20 years as a church two Sundays ago. And I had to watch that on a live stream. Yes. And There were people in the room who were a part of the original group of people who planted with my parents who are yeah. still there. Yeah. And I have to sit there and reap the consequences of a decision that I didn't make. And I have to wrestle with that, you know? And so there, it's not like it just goes away. It's a scar. But I've just learned. Could you have gone? To the service? Have, yeah. They, oh, 100%. Yeah. Their church, that church that my parents planted 20 years ago is financially supporting the sanctuary. Wow. So talk about redemptive wow. full circle moments. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, that, I mean, their pastor is amazing. Their congregation is amazing. I have a great, great relationship with their leadership. That's totally incredible. could have gone, but just the the optics, right? Like I right. wanted it to be about them and that's right. not about our that's family, right. but that's just one small example of just, right. you know, we're 20 years in and there are still wounds that are coming up about yes. what it looks like to navigate that. Yes. So I know I, I think that a lot in the experiences we've had at our church of pastors leaving and the ripples are just forever. <laughs> you don't want them to be. You don't want them. In multiple churches I've been in where pastors have left for a reason or another, and you go, I want this to be done now. And it's just not. Yeah. But it gets it gets lighter. I mean, mm-hmm. time heals when it's—time without God is not a very reliable healer. But with God, time's a great healer. Yeah. Does that feel true to you? Yeah, I, I would add to that. I would just say union with God heals. Uh, you know, I mean, it's been 17 years of, and I've, I have not been perfect. And there have definitely been seasons where I have 
not faithfully walked with the Lord, but I would say by and large for the last 17 years since that event took place in my life that God has felt near. And I've tried my best to posture myself in a place to draw near to him. And he is the great healer, right? He is the only one who can redeem and restore Mm -hmm. um, and heal. And so I've trusted him. And a mom, a dad, an Annie, a small group leader, none of us can do for children what God can do for children. Right, right. And I think that's the difficult part for parents because it is true that there is really no greater formative influence in the life of a child than a parent, humanly speaking. Yeah. But we forget about the power of the Holy Spirit and the way that he can work. And I would say even just in my family, just to let people know, I have, I'm the oldest of five now, two uh blood siblings and two adopted siblings. And I would say that uh, for my two blood siblings, you know, we've all navigated that event in our life in very different ways. And we are in different places today, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And so I don't know why I am where I am today. Like I said, I've just tried my best to posture myself in a place of proximity to Jesus and have trusted that he is who he says he is. And when other people fail me, he won't. Yeah, that's beautiful. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation to tell you about one of our amazing partners, Ritual. Come on, ladies, let's get information. Get it, information? Get this. Did you know that women were excluded from clinical research policy by federal law until 1993? What? Women belong in scientific research. We're essential, and Ritual knows that. They've conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin to assess its effectiveness. And the results? It increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. I seriously love Ritual's multivitamin. It's made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean forms. It has nine key ingredients with just two capsules per day, and their capsules even have a delayed-release design to help make it gentle on an empty stomach. Essential for Women 18 Plus is one of the few women's multis that's USP verified, meaning what's on the label is what's in the formula. It's also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. Yes, please. It's got this Minty essence too. Y'all know I feel good about that. It's in every bottle and it helps keep things fresh and helps make taking your multivitamin every day actually enjoyable. Ritual is all about hot data and stone cold facts, you guys. So get to know your nutrients on a deeper level with 30% off during your first month. Just visit ritual.com slash that sounds fun to start ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. All right, we all know the way our hair or skin look can sway our mood and impact our day. If one of them feels off, it just feels like the day is starting off on the wrong foot. I've never found beauty products that really fit my personal hair goals, but ever since I switched to a custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier, shinier hair and healthier skin, too. With pros, personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. For example, my custom shampoo and conditioner, which I love, they formulate to make my hair more manageable, shiny, hydrated. It's amazing, y'all. They truly deliver. Pros is better for the planet, too. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback, adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life, the city that I'm living in. It is 
Amazing, you guys. Pros is so confident that they'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order. You guys, 5-0. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash that sounds fun. So you get your free consultation and then you get 50% off at pros.com slash that sounds fun. This is the season to try pros if you have not tried them before. Pros.com slash that sounds fun. That's P R O S E dot com slash that sounds fun. And now back to finish up our conversation with Micah. That sounds fun. I think you being the oldest makes way for this book, Trailblazers. Mm. Like a little bit, I mean, even when you're talking about this, but you do this throughout the book, but when you're talking about stuff with your family, you're the one who would check on your brothers and then go tell your parents to quit fighting. And then you'd go back and soothe yourself yeah. and cry after you checked on your brother. So, so trailblazing is a little bit in you, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. mean, you're a church planter, you're the oldest, but why does everyone else need this story? When you decided to sit down and write, and I'm going to get you to tell that in a second, but when you decide <laughs> to sit down and write, why trailblazers is the title? Yeah, really the genesis of the title came This would have been November of 2019. I was six months into youth ministry and I was floundering. I I was 21 years old. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, Our youth ministry was growing like crazy as every other ministry was in 2019 before COVID hit, right? right. Um, That was certainly our story. And I was uh, encouraged by uh, another mentor of mine to take a vision day. And I'm like, yeah. I have no idea what a vision day is. And he's like, just go get alone with God and, and see what he speaks to you. And, you know, I was reading, I just started in the book of Genesis and just started reading. And yeah. really I got to the story of Joseph and it's that, you know, the story of Joseph and his brothers being sold into slavery. And then his brothers come to Egypt to look for food. And Joseph has that line. I think it's Genesis 45, five, where he says, you intended to harm me, but God used it for good for mm-hmm. the saving of many lives. God mm-hmm. sent me ahead of you for the yeah. saving of many lives. And yeah. it was that line that just captured me. And I was like, trailblazers. Like God God sent Joseph to blaze a trail for his family who rejected him and tried to kill him and then decided to sl- sell him to slavery. Yeah. God sent him ahead. Yeah. And what if there is an invitation for all of us to blaze a trail in this life? Like, don't we want life to matter? Don't we want yeah. it to mean something? And I think there is this, Steve Carter, again, this yeah. holy discontent is what he calls it. Yeah. Uh, I think there's this holy discontent in all of us that is awoken when we realize there's a dream on my heart and that is impressed on my soul and I need to live into it. Mm-hmm. That The fullest best expression of who I am is when I'm living fully into who God has called me to be. And that's yes. what I believe it looks like to be a trailblazer. Yeah. And, and it includes your best days and your wounds and your worst days and your walkaways and your walk tour. I mean, without that, how can you do it? Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. I mean, everyone thinks that life with Jesus, at least on the outside, and this is a generalization, I'm not saying this is everyone's story, but for the most part, people believe that life with Jesus is all about divine revelation. Yeah. It's the mountain moving moments, it's the camp highs, right? Well, whatever you want to call it, if you're in the youth group subculture, like we all know what we're talking about <laughs> yeah, when we say like, high. I met Jesus that night, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and those moments are real and they're true and they're valid, but so much of life with Jesus is about day-to-day character formation, yes. right? It is, uh, Eugene Peterson calls it a long obedience in the same direction. Direction. Yes. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting in the book when you really talk about like the core of a trailblazer is your character. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Yeah. I mean, the author James Merritt writes uh, a book called Character Still Counts. Jonathan's uh, dad? 
I believe so. Yeah. yeah. I love James Merritt. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Character still counts. Yeah. Phenomenal book. And he has this line where he says, low character comes at a high cost. Wow. And I think that is so true and yes. so profound, right? Yes. That without a foundation of character, I mean, it's Jesus' teaching in Matthew 7, right? Whoever uh, takes these words of mine, puts them into practice, is like the man who built his house on a rock. Uh-huh. Like there's a firm foundation there that we are able to, to build on that will not weather when the storms of life come. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have that in place, then we, when we are tempted to be someone we're not or to do something that doesn't align with who God has actually called us to be, mm-hmm. we'll give in, right? Yeah, yeah. And man, have we seen that play out, not just in Christendom, but just in culture in general, right? right and it feels right. like the world is almost going crazy because we've lost our center. Yeah. And I believe character and integrity is that center that we have to realign to. And I think people on the outside of your generation would look in to TikTok and blah, 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 and think that no one in their 20s cares about character. Yeah. And I would just push back and say, Hasbury. Yeah, right. right? Yes. <laughs> I was able to go down for a few days with a friend. I had a friend from Texas who actually flew in Indianapolis and we drove down together to go experience Asbury together. And it was everything that you could have thought it would be, right? I mean, it was these college kids with no frills and no lights and no smoke adorning authentic praise to King Jesus Mm -hmm. for days Mm -hmm. and days and days on end. And so, you know, there's always going to be cultural narratives, but we see this all throughout scripture. There is this, you know, idea of a remnant that exists in every generation. And I believe that exists in Gen Z as well, that, yeah, TikTok and Instagram and influencers, that's all real. And I'm sure that that is a a big piece of who our generation is, but there's also a remnant within our generation that is hungry and ready to go after Jesus. And I think people like Noah Heron and a lot of these other church planters who are around the country are, are on the forefront of seeing revival take place in our land. Yes, I I am with you. I've been so impressed. I spend a lot more time with the women of your generation than the dudes, right? But I know y'all and I know, you know, Grant Skeldon, like, and the crew that Grant gathers together, when I'm with that group of 20-somethings, I'm like, oh, this is unbelievable. (laughs) There's a a solidness, a cementness of your faith that was not true of me and my friends in our 20s. Does culture make you do that, do you think? Like, I think culture was, it was easier to be culturally Christian 20 years ago than it is now. Yeah, I was just talking with someone last night and they said they grew up in the 90s and in youth group subculture. And they were like, you know, in the days of Jars of Clay and DC Talk when they were hitting mainstream radio. And all the Christian youth group kids were like, yes, we're mainstream. And I think now we're starting to see kind of this boomerang effect where now kind of youth group subculture is what does it look like to be consecrated? What does it look yeah. like to be set apart? Yeah. And I think that is the desire that we're starting to see. Culture is not allowing us to become enmeshed. We have to choose. Are we going to follow the way of Jesus or are we going to follow the way of the world? And wow. that decision is coming to us not when we're, you know, 40 and having a midlife crisis. It's yes. coming to us at 15, 16, 17, 18. Yep. And we have to choose. Is this the way of life that we're going to live or not? I mean, Micah, even in Trailblazers, you talk a lot about this. I'm going to actually turn to the page. (laughs) I'm age 88. I mean, you talk a lot about like what you need to master Mm. in yourself. Mm -hmm. And you talk and and I I just don't think anyone talked to me like this in my 20s. I don't think anyone talked to me in my 20s about like 
But also we didn't have phones, right? Like I didn't have to master my cell phone because it stayed in my car. Right. Right. And it was for emergencies. Right. And there were certainly other things, but things like mastering your phone and slowing down your life and Mm -hmm. talk about that. Talk about mastering your phone because every one of us listening from 20 to 90 (laughs) is struggling with how to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I just had a beautiful conversation the other day with uh, Jay Kim. Do you know Jay? Yes, yes, yes. So Analog Christian, Analog Church. Yes. And man, if you want to talk about someone who's I know we're gonna have him next year. We're gonna have him next year. He's on our list. He's phenomenal. And and he would be the first to tell you it's not like he's the guru of it, but he has written extensively about it. And a lot of a lot of his practices are practices that I've adopted as well. Andy Crouch, John Mark Comer, those guys, like they're leading the way in terms of what a slowed down spirituality, as Pete Scazzaro calls it, looks like. And mastering your phone is one of those, right? Yeah. And so I would say, you know. What it looks like to master your phone is to put it in its proper place, to not allow it to rule you. And I think we have lost sight of just how formative the phone has become. I mean, it's literally tethered to us, right? How many times have you left your house, gotten halfway to where you're supposed to be and been like, I forgot my phone. I got to turn around and go get it, right? Like that to me- I don't do that with my laptop. (laughs) That's right. I don't know if we do that with virtually anything else. Anything else. But it's a culturally accepted idol, right? I mean, that's what it is. When we are choosing something over everything else, that is what the scriptures would call an idol, right? But it's it's so cultural commonplace that it's just like, oh yeah, go get it. Yeah. You know, be on your phone for whatever. I remember we did a, I did a teaching uh, for some high school students back in the beginning of 2020 and uh, had them all pull out their phones and share their screen time. And one girl pulled her phone up and had spent 11 hours that day on Instagram. Wow. wow. And she was like, well, I'm an I influencer. Mean, it. It's my yeah. full-time job. And I'm wow. like, I, I just, I'm just curious of how that's forming you, right? Yeah, like, again, yeah. I, I'm not here to disregard your influence or whatever, but just what does that do to a person over time when almost half the day, not even the waking hours, mm-hmm. just the day in general is spent on a screen, on a platform with yes. invisible people, right? So, yes. yeah, I, just, I think there's so many ways that the phone is shaping us. And I think in terms of mastering it, what it looks like, I mean, it's, it's everything from Sabbathing from your devices, right? Mm-hmm. Taking a day, a full 24 hours to just pause and yeah. put the devices down and to go out in nature, to read a book or whatever it may be. It's Andy Crouch stealing this from him, parenting your phone, yes. right? Putting it to bed before you go to bed yeah. and waking up before it wakes up, yeah. like uh, turning off notifications. I yeah. mean, there's so many practical things that you can do yeah. to just allow the dopamine temptation to to subside mm. a bit, right? And yeah. it doesn't mean that it goes away fully, yeah. but I think that's that's what it looks like. For our friends listening, will you spout off, I had Noah do this too, will you spout off some young men that are your peers that are good examples that you think, man, I love following this guy. Mm. And some follows for our friends to follow and for them to say to their college-age sons or their college-age brothers or the people they're mentoring, hey, here are some other good dudes that you could be following. Yeah, gosh. I may not be a, as good at this as Noah because he's like the Instagram social media king. I'm like, get on when I have to and jump off. So I'll try to name. Well, you can just say who you like. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I would say obviously Noah's on that list. Aaron Barnett, uh, his wife, Hannah, they're yes, running um, in, Chicago. in Chicago. I think yeah. so highly of them. Yeah. I mean, they're doing great things. They're Gra- doing great work. Yeah. Grant Skeldon, as you mentioned. I'm glad you are bros, Curious. by the way. I'm glad you and the Barnetts are bros. Yeah. I'm yeah, glad yeah, yeah. Like they're, yeah. They're wonderful. Um, uh, Grant Skeldon doing yeah. stuff with Q. Yeah. Uh, another Nashville-based Ian Simpkins 
I don't know Ian Simpkins. Oh my gosh, lead pastor of the bridge. Oh no, uh uh-uh. Okay. Annie, oh, I wish y'all could see his face. You <laughs> Your face said, how dare you? You will. Once Ian you jump Simpkins. on his Instagram page, you're gonna be like, Whoa. Yeah. Okay. My life is not the same. He okay. is just a well yeah. of and I, I say content not in like a superficial way, just deep, deep yeah. like con- like yes. things that you're just like challenged with every yes. single day. So Ian Simpkins is a great, great follow. Yeah. I I, I mean, I, I'm sure I could think of more if I, if I could, but like I said, I'm not really on Instagram unless I'm posting on Instagram. Well, here's, here's the compliment I have to you after that list. When I ask other people, they put you on the list. Oh, and of... when I read this book, Trailblazers, when I read it, And knowing you, the depth of your study of scripture Mm. over the last decade of your life is just extraordinary. Mm. And the way you are able to quote books and quote scripture and know where things are tells me where your time is going. Mm. And so what are you reading? Yeah. Are you reading all the time? I try to. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I really try to. I mean, I think um, there's, you know, knowledge is power. I think there's a beauty to being able to just learn. And really my desire to read stems from my apprenticeship to Jesus. And and here's why. Martin B. Copenhaver wrote a book called Jesus is the Question. Revolutionary read. The subtitle of the book is The 307 Questions Jesus Asked (gasps) and the Three He Answered. Dude. Yeah. So Copenhaver that's a baller subtitle. Yeah it, is. yeah, it is. So Copenhaver just dives deeply into the gospels and just looks at all of the questions that Jesus asked and how little he answered them. Yeah. And his point was his thesis is Jesus is curious, right? Yeah. Jesus may be perhaps the most curious intellectual to ever live. And yeah. we as apprentices to him need to model that curiosity. So my love for reading just stems from my curiosity, yeah. right? And so uh, right now I'm reading uh, Timothy Keller's biography that oh, Colin wow. Hansen just released, yeah. which I'm not a student of Tim Keller. I didn't really, gr- I grew up in, I, I went to Christ Presbyterian Academy here in yeah. Nashville. So I grew up a little bit in the Presbyterian stream, but wasn't a huge Tim Keller guy growing up, but man, that has been so formative. I've really, really enjoyed um, that book. So I, yeah, that's kind of what I'm digging into right now. Um, I'm trying to think of some others that I would have top of mind. This past summer, I read Working the Angles, Eugene okay. Peterson, yes, which is a yes. phenomenal book. I mean, anything Eugene Peterson, oh my I'm going to read. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. Uh, I read The Jesus I Never Knew by Philip Yancey. Yeah. Which I, again, man, you're pulling out some books, first, man. First invitation to Philip Yancey yeah. changed my life. Yeah. Uh, so I really, really enjoyed that. My Maybe my, like, I don't know, wild card read that I had this past summer was a book called Daily Rituals. Uh-huh. Have you heard of it? Uh-uh. I don't remember who the author is. It is not a Christian book. Yeah. But the author essentially takes like the, I don't remember how many people it is, maybe a hundred or so of the greatest thinkers and artists and writers of the past like 500 years. And he studies their daily habits and what their daily habits looked like. Yeah. And one, it's a fascinating read. Two, my takeaway from the book was if you want to do something that people will remember forever apart from Jesus, your life is going to be a mess. I mean, there was not one person in that book. And I'm telling you, Tesla, Einstein, whoever it is, like yeah. you could, you name it, the last 500 years, if they're a cultural person, they're in that book yeah. and their lives in some way, shape or form, relationally, emotionally, mentally, 
was a mess. And there was no... Doesn't that make you feel better about us? Yeah, right. I mean, not not like that we're any better, but it was just this reminder of like... I'm like, great. If I'm a mess, I'm right in line with the people doing the work I want to do. Yeah, 100%. But when you talk about trailblazing, there's a purpose behind it. And not just a purpose, but a person, right? Like, We're not just blazing trails so that we can be the greatest influencer of all time or have the most Instagram followers ever. There is a person behind the purpose and it is Jesus of Nazareth. So I would just say that was the greatest differential that I took away from from that read. Y'all, I recently placed a Thrive Market order for my place in New York so that I'd have all the essentials stocked in the pantry and refrigerator when I'm there. And I want you to hear what I saved as a Thrive member. Okay, I got protein shakes, creamer, chips, soaps, and some other things, you know, all the necessary things. I spent $70 and saved $33.39. Y'all, that is so much money. It's seriously so easy. It also shipped right to my door. Plus, I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods, and they have an online filtering system that allows you to sort based on what you're looking for. So if you're hunting for gluten-free options or dairy-free snacks, you can curate your own shopping experience really easily. They always have a deals page, too, that you can look through as well. Oh, I love it. And when you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. It's awesome. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Just go to thrivemarket.com slash that sounds fun and get 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash that sounds fun. Thrivemarket.com slash that sounds fun. And now back to finish up our conversation with Micah. That sounds fun. Let's talk about your daily rituals, actually. Sure. Because I want you to tell, teach me <laughs> about how you read your Bible. What does it look like? Are you, are, mm. are you a morning guy? Are you an evening guy? Are you a teach me about your spiritual discipline of reading scripture? Because you can only write this stuff and talk like this if you're reading the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Um, I grew up in the stream of evangelical church where the quiet time was a thing I and mean, yeah. it was instilled to me from an early age. Um, and so I if just, we could just come up with another name for it. I know it just won't ever take quiet yeah. time stuck. Quiet time. I just want a different name. Yeah. But okay, yeah. work on that for the future. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah, for as long as I could remember, it was like we were at the breakfast table reading our Bible. And that was, again, that was probably something that was instilled in me, but it was never something that was forced onto me. Yeah. Like it wasn't like if I didn't bring my Bible, then my parents were like, you can't start your day now. Right. Um, I think I just saw my parents model it as well. Like yeah. so many mornings that I'm waking up and I'm seeing them with their coffee, with my dad, his piping hot coffee, with my yeah. mom, her lukewarm coffee, because yes. she would never drink it. <laughs> reading their Bible on the couch, right? And so that was modeled for me. And I would just say, yeah, over years and years of doing that, I've just be, I mean, I've continued to fall in love with the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And there is so, so much that I do not know. And man, I have a lifetime ahead of me to continue to learn about the life of Jesus and who he is. But my daily quiet time is in the morning. It's the first thing I do when I wake up. I try to do that before I ever touch my phone or email or anything else. And Right now, I've been for the last, I've done the Bible in the year. I've done like a deep dive of the Gospels. Right now, my current routine is I'm reading through a psalm, a gospel chapter, and then an epistle. And so I'm just 
kind of going chapter by chapter. I usually yeah. do a psalm a day, yeah. and that's that's like a recurring thing. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I I think I get through it normally in like six months. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then, you know, read a chapter of the Gospels and usually get through that in six months, and then a chapter of the Epistles and get yeah. through that in however long. So Yeah, man, that is, I mean— just read the Bible, right? You just want to be, when people are like, the Sunday school answer is still the right answer. Yeah. Read your Bible and pray. Uh, absolutely. And go to church. Yes. Like, that's it. 100%. That's it. Yeah. I think this is a good place for us to also insert some honor for your parents. Yeah. Because I love your mom and dad so much. <laughs> Justin and Trish Davis, people can look up their work and read their books that yes. have been so helpful. But even in y'all's story, I mean, the fact that in the same conversation we talk about your parents breaking up for a season and then both sitting and read the Bible. Yeah. Like they are the restoration. They are so honorable. Yes. Both of them. Yes. So will you talk a little bit about, I mean, you're here, you are author, pastor, leader. Will you talk a little bit about how they set you up for that, even in their humanness? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, from the time I was born, my parents were pastors. So I, you know, was born in Sandusky, Ohio. My dad was the youth pastor of a really, really tiny uh, youth ministry at a really tiny church. And within a year, the youth ministry had outgrown the church. And then they were on to the next youth ministry. And I think they did that for the first six years of my life. And then age seven is when they went and planted our first church 20 years ago. They did that until um, the affair took place, and then my dad was out of ministry for a season, and then came on staff at Cross Point Church in Nashville for uh, seven years. And so my parents were doing that local church ministry here in Nashville while also running their marriage ministry full time and going around the country and speaking. And I think the biggest thing for me that I took through all of that, and then actually in 2015, they also planted another church yeah. and they ran that for the last seven years. So, yes. I mean, we did a tour date there. Do you that's remember? That's right. Yeah, yes, it was awesome. Yes, you were there. It's a beautiful so, place. Yeah. So, I just I say that to say, like, this has been my life. And my mom even said to me the other day, we were just kind of reminiscing on the fact that, you know, the, the book is here and it's yeah. being released. And she was just like, you know, you've gotten your 10,000 hours in so yeah, much right? sooner than a lot of other people have. Because I'm, I'm dealing with all the insecurity that any author has yeah. around release. Like, yeah. is anyone going to care about this? Is anyone right. going to like this? Right. Um, and she was just encouraging me like, hey, at the end of the day, like God has uniquely positioned you yes. for, you know, what Mordecai says to Esther for such a time as this. Right? right. And so um, that was really encouraging. But all that to say, I have seen them model Something I'm fascinated with anytime that I get around any church leader or communicator or influencer in the Christian world is, is who they are on the platform the same as who they are off? Because if they're not, I have learned the hard way that those are really difficult people to be in relationship with. It is with. a ticking time bomb. Yeah. Until what happens backstage shows up on stage. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that for me is just, that is not the representation of Christ that I want people to have. And I 100% understand boundaries and I 100% understand emotional intelligence and making sure that people are, you know, people aren't superhumans and they can't be in all places at all times. So uh, this is not me having unrealistic- You're not anti-green room. Exactly. Not (laughs) having unrealistic expectations of people with great influence, but there is a responsibility and a weight to the pastorate. Yeah. And that requires putting people first yeah. and and being selfless and being loving and incarnating Christ to people. Yes. And I've seen my parents do that. And they haven't always done it perfectly. Yeah. But I would say over the last, you know, 
27 years of my life, the the people that they are on stage are the people that they are at the dinner table yes. for better and for worse. Yes. And people need yes. to know that, right? Yes. Like there's, there's parts of their personality that show up on stage that I see at the dinner table that were like, we need to work on that, yeah. right? You know, and the same is for me. Like yeah. we are all in process, that's and right. so that's right. Yeah, but they've been consistent. Yeah, yeah, that's been my experience with them too. I find them to be very reliable pastors mm-hmm. because you're like, man, that is who they are everywhere. I mean, you're different with your friends and your family than you are on a stage, of course. Of course, but there, you know, it is still the core of the person is either the same or they're not the same. Right. It was one of the things that really shocked me when I moved here and kind of started meeting people in certain industries of faith. And I was like, wait, wait, y'all are not who you are on stage. But I also feel like that is some of the holiness y'all are calling us to. You and Trailblazer, something about Matt Redman that just talked mm-hmm. to us about his album. Like the holiness y'all are calling us to is literally integrity. Right. Be the same person everywhere. Right. And and I think that is how we get to lead is if you're the same person everywhere. That's right. And it doesn't mean being a perfect person everywhere. Yeah, like we we that. can't be perfect, yes, right? That yes. is an unrealistic expectation. But admitting faults, naming limitations, all of those things and just naming where you're at and yes. not trying to be someone you're not, right? And and I am the first to admit that that is not something that I've mastered or figured out or anything like that. I, I'm in process just as anyone else is. And I, I think that's really important if I can speak to that for a yes, second. please. I, if there's anything that I can tell people about Trailblazers and why I wrote it, I, and I say this in the book, I am not the hero of the story. Yeah. I'm the guide. Right. Heroes provide answers. Guides ask questions. So that's what I attempt to do. Right. What is your God's purpose for your life? What is the holy discontent within you? What is it that God has called you to question, question, question. But at the end of the day, you need to know, listener, wherever you are, Mm -hmm. Jesus is the hero of this story. I am the guide. And that is it. It's beautiful. You're right. I mean, it feels that when you read it. I don't feel like you've postured yourself as the hero. Mm -hmm. I would like you to, as we're wrapping up here, you're 27 Mm -hmm. and you're telling us how to find God's purpose for your life. Yeah. Have you found it? (laughs) Oh, have I found it? Um, I think that's another really unique aspect of this book, Annie, is I, I'm living this in real time, Yeah. right? And that is that has probably been the most disorienting part of the publishing process. There was a part of me, and again, this is just in complete transparency uh. and all of my fallenness that I was just like, once I write the book, I will be able to kind of, you know, wipe my hands of that and move on and yeah. live my life, right? right? Like that was that season of life and here we go. But for whatever reason, this message feels like it's an invitation. Uh, it was not written to you, the reader. It was written for us as human beings. And I truly believe it's a, it's a message that is going to live with us for the rest of our lives, not because of the content within it, but because of the invitation that exists yeah, within it. And so- yeah. The invitation for me was to to step off the ledge and to plant a church, right? Yeah, and to, yeah. to to go for it, right? Yes. And to blaze this new trail. And I'm telling you this two and a half weeks out That's from right. our launch. That's right. So That's I don't right. even have a clue of what's in front of me. Yeah. And all of the pitfalls and potential uh, downfalls that I write about in Trailblazers, all of those have reared its ugly head in my life in the last couple of months, insecurity, doubt, brutal? fear. Ugh. And I have 
in the most non-egotistical way possible, have had to kind of take my own medicine, right? Yes. And, and yes. I wrote that. Yeah. So I need to believe that. And yeah. and that is who I am telling people God is. So I need to trust that that is who he is. And yes. so have I discovered God's purpose for my life? I think yes. I think uh, I, I firmly believe that God has called me to preach, teach, and write. I feel yeah. like that is my vocational calling and who he's called me to be. But have I discovered who God has called me to be? Never, right? Like, I don't know if we'll ever fully discover um, who he's called us to be on this side of heaven. And so that's just a day-to-day invitation that I'm learning to just say yes to and trusting that he's going to continually form me, right? Spiritual formation is an ongoing process. And so doing my best to just say yes each and every day. The joy of having you on the weekend before the book comes out is all the pre-order stuff is still available and yeah. they'll hit order and it'll ship. Yeah. So it's like the kind of the cheat code yeah. of pre-orders. So if they go to, is it your website where all the pre-order stuff is? Yeah, mikeyedavis.com slash trailblazers. Okay, great. And yeah. you can get like a leader's guide so, or like a discussion guide so you mm-hmm. can walk a group through this, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, you get the, the first you get the first chapter, you get a discussion guide, which I'm actually filming video content for with Tyndale. Oh, good. Uh, to go along with that group study guide. Brilliant. So that that will be coming. You'll get it if you download the group study guide. You'll get the link for it. Um, and then and a bonus Bible study as well. Five unknown trailblazers in the scriptures. You talk about <gasps> Bible study. People you've what? never heard of. What? Uh, I'm going to go some... pre-order today. I have not pre-ordered. I'm sorry yeah. to tell you. I will do it today so I can get that. Yeah. So just five people in the scriptures who are super obscure, who left lasting legacies that once you read their stories, you're going to be like, those people were my God. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is so exciting. Oh my gosh, I want that so bad. I'm going to get it today. I want it so bad. Perfect. What a great idea. Yeah. What a great thing for you to dig out of scripture. Well done. I don't even know. I'm not even going to ask who they are. I just am going to go get it. I cannot wait. That is really fun. Okay, Micah, is there anything we didn't say that you want to make sure we say? Yeah, I guess I'd add if you read Trailblazers and you want to swim into deeper water, I have a teaching on the Sanctuary Gatherings podcast called The True and False Self, An Introduction. Oh, wow. That's sort of like level two to all of this. And that's kind of what I've been swimming in now. So once you know what you've been called to, how do you discern between what's God and what's your desire or what's your ambition or what's your ego? So if you're interested in going deeper after reading the book, I would just point you to that teaching. Yeah, we'll link to all that. So pre-order the book. Get your Devo, the five people. I'm dying to know who that is. I You got me on the edge of my seat. And then the discussion guide so you can lead a group through. And then after you're done reading, there's a there's a video, a teaching to watch to yeah. go with. Well done, Micah. Thank you. Thank you for resourcing us that well. My gosh, uh, that is, all that is free. That's right. <laughs> that is all a free. lot of free content yeah. with the purchase of a Trailblazer. So thank you. That's yeah. really generous. Thank you for doing this. Oh. I just love you and your family. And I'm so grateful that we are still in relationship and get to celebrate like this. Oh my gosh. I, I have to say this. I've known you since I was 14. I never could have dreamed, ever could have dreamed that I would be sitting in this room having this conversation <laughs> with you. And so thank so you cool. for believing in me. Thank yeah. you for believing in this message. Thank yes. you for believing in our generation yeah. and not just me, but I know that you sit in round tables and in rooms with Gen Z all over the country all the time. And we are better because of you. Oh, so thanks. thank you for thanks, your friend. contribution oh, to the kingdom. I do. I do love the next generation. I do want to make sure at some point... The thing we want to be known for the most is who did we help grow, mm-hmm. not how did we grow. Mm. You know, so anything I can do, you know that, but anything I can do. Yes. Um, okay, the last question we always ask Micah Davis, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Yeah. Um, 
Christmas 2023 okay. sounds fun. Tell me why. Here's why. We will have just finished a 12-week run as a brand new church community. Yeah, so you'll be able to take a breath. I'm teaching nine of those 12 weeks. Good gravy. Plus, Trailblazers will be a little more than two months old at that point yes. and all that's coming with that. So yeah. Christmas 2023 yes. sounds fun. I'll yes. be tired, but I, yes. always, I always take the last week of the year off. And yeah. so it will be such a gift to be able to just be present with Riley and our yeah. family and to just look back on all of the beautiful things that God has done this past year in really just honoring our yes to the trail that he's called us to blaze. Christmas movie that you've got to watch? Home Alone. Yeah, great answer. (laughs) So fast, great answer. Christmas song that's like your go-to. Do you have one that you love? Oh, man. No. Yeah. Uh, Riley puts it on like the day after Halloween. Yeah. And I want to tear my ears off. <laughs> so I just am kind of like anything Justin Bieber I'll listen right, to, honestly. Right. He's my guy. So that is the most Gen Z thing I'll probably have said today. That's but so good. That's my guy, JB. It's so good. I feel the same. If he wants to come on the podcast, he's very welcome. Come on. He's very welcome. Have you seen all the pictures people are posting, all the memes of how him and Haley are dre- never dressed like they're going to the same event? 100%. And it made me laugh so yeah. hard because yeah. he's in sweats and she's in like a small red dress. They're one of a kind. And they, they are. They're just hysterical. <laughs> Thanks, friends. I cannot wait for people to get to read this book this week. Oh, I'm grateful for you. Thank you. Oh, you guys, isn't he awesome? I know. He's so brilliant. Listen, if you live in Indianapolis and you are looking for a church, look Micah up. This is where you want to try. And go pre-order your copy of Trailblazers right now. Be sure you follow Micah on social media. Tell him thanks so much for being on the show. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And don't forget, you can find more fun stuff on the That Sounds Fun podcast on Instagram at That Sounds Fun Podcast. I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me? I don't know, you guys. I'm going to go on a walk in Central Park or something. I can do that. I live here. All right, y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday as we continue our Build Your Board series, talking about whose board you are on. Who are you pouring into? You're going to hear my friend Becca, who I disciple, and you'll hear from Harley as well, who Becca disciples. I think you are really going to love this conversation and learn a lot. I know I did. And over the weekend, this may be a great time for you to catch up in your guidebook, for you to read through some of our thoughts, answer some of the journaling questions, maybe flip to the back and start taking that quiz. And if you haven't gotten your guidebook, you can go to AnnieFDowns.com slash build your board, print it out, get it ready to go, catch up from this week and get ready to jump in with us on Monday. So y'all have a great weekend and we'll see you back here on Monday morning. <laughs>